Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, And so this week, uh, we're going to touch more on the topic of purification, how often suffering can be used for our purification. Uh, Does anyone need purified just a little bit in here? Got a few wee rough edges. Um, You weren't supposed to put your hands up, but thanks for your honesty, Gemma. (laughs) Um, I'll put my hand up too too. Um, and so I want to look at a little story here before we do so a few little key points that we've spoke about suffering isn't always our fault but healing is our responsibility and it's very easy to keep running away from the responsibility of of purification, of humbling ourselves to actually put our hands up the things that we could have done better. Um, they're the last things on our mind often when we're hurting. <laughs> we don't want to think about that because we'd prefer to blame. Is anyone like me, you'd prefer to blame someone or something else. It's a lot more comfortable for some reason, uh, but it's important that we take responsibility for our own healing. Blaming, cursing the darkness doesn't bring the light. Just blaming other people and other situations and other things. Jesus understands our suffering. He actually uses it also as well. Um, so suffering, real basic statement for suffering is the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship of any form. Uh, and so that can look like a consequence of our actions or can just look like a consequence of a fallen world that we live in. So I want to read one uh, scripture that I've picked up this week in doing my daily devotion. If you haven't got a daily devotional book, we have the bags out as you go out. At the end of the hallway, there's little bags. They're free. They're for you. If you haven't, haven't got one, please take one. It's so important that we are doing daily devotion. I've read this and got convicted, and I'm now going to share that with you if that's okay. And so what's happening here is Jesus has been going, walking around the earth. He's in the middle of his ministry, so he's 30 plus. He, he had ministry for three years, and he's doing all this good stuff. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. He's doing all this good stuff. He's healing people. He's restoring people. He's giving people a reflection of their sin to help them to repent, to turn from their sin. He is uh, pointing people to life eternal, life forever, not just temporal mindsets of just trying to grip onto life right now. He is bringing truth, which then sets people free. He's making people feel accepted, that feel vulnerable and rejected by society. He's doing all of these good things. And because of that, there's some people that are upset. He's starting to get more followers, more people are believing in his name and who he is. And that's riling some people up called the Pharisees and the leading priests. And so we're going to pick up here in John 11 and 47. If you've got a Bible, got a notepad, whatever, I encourage you to to get that out and to take notes. And it says this, verse 47, Then the leading priests and the Pharisees called the high council together, the governing body, got their MPs together, got got their local councillors together, whatever structure they had put in place. And what are we going to do? So it's a crossroads. They've come to a place where this thing's coming to a head. 
this problem is getting so big, we have to talk about it. We've actually called a Sears meeting. They asked each other, this man certainly performs many miracle, uh, miraculous signs. So the facts are, this man is doing ridiculous things which are beyond us. We can't do what he does. He's got power. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Things are about to change. If we do not put a halt, a stop to this good, we're screwed. This is not going to end well for us. This is going to deconstruct what we've built. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. We'll destroy our way of doing things. We'll destroy the buildings that we have built. We'll destroy the organizations we're a part of. We'll, we'll lose our jobs. We're vulnerable. What I want you to do right now as, as we go into this is I want you to understand that in all of us, there's a Pharisee. In all of us, if we can put ourselves into this story and understand that we face those crossroads as we are purified, where we're like, hey, what am I going to do now? I've come to a place where someone has maybe given me feedback or circumstances give me feedback. What am I going to do? I know God's power. I know what God's truth, His Bible. I know what His Spirit provides. I know it's good. But it's going to deconstruct some things in my life. It's going to cause me to shift, to move jobs potentially. It's, it's going to cause me to become vulnerable. Some things are going to fall, and some things are going to shake, and some things are going to move if I do not, if I take God seriously in this situation, in my life, at this crossroads with these people. Some things are going to leave. Some people are going to leave. Some, some, some of my beliefs are about to be changed. So we're going to pray. The message today is called, Things Are Going to Change. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you, Father, that you are good, and it's your goodness that leads us to change. God, help us to have the boldness, to have the strength, and to have the trust in you to know that even when things cause us to become vulnerable, that, God, you change us for the better, and, God, we can trust you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Things are going to change. These people were vulnerable. Institutions, structures, ways of doing things that they'd been used to for hundreds of years. It took so long to build. One thing I realized in this is that God really isn't into building monuments. God is more into creating movement. Because a monument is a structure that does not move. And if we're not careful, we can get stuck in something which had movement in the past. Even churches, when churches begin, often they have movement. There's fresh breath, there's fresh wind, fresh power. But when things are built, often what can happen is they become a monument, a structure, a statue. And the problem with, with, with monuments is God can't move through monuments because God always moves th through movement, through wind. That's why we see the Holy Spirit is, is, um, 
is described as a wind. It goes where it wants. It's, it's not always, it can't be seen, but it's there. And it's powerful. And it shifts things. And it provides power. And so we've got to be careful and ask. We've got to be careful that we don't get so comfortable that we're immovable. That God actually can't speak to us any longer because we're stuck in a way of doing things and we're not open. So I encourage you today to be open, to ask the hard questions. If you want to see God's goodness in your life, you're going to have to be open to move. One thing I love about this is when the Pharisees are speaking, understand this, the Pharisees are a religious sect, and there's a Pharisee in us all. But also, with Jesus' time on earth, the Pharisees were really Jesus' biggest resistance, his obstacles, his enemies, you could even say. But it's interesting how the enemy to Jesus' ministry, they were actually prophesying and confirming his potential. They were prophesying and confirming his potential because they were saying, oh, this man is good. He does things which are powerful. And if we do not stop him, more people will believe in him. Meaning he's got power to take over us. He's, he's greater than us. And sometimes in your life, the, the people that resist you, the forces that resist you are actually prophesying to your future that you're going the right way. And if you can just continue to keep going, change will come. Walls will fall. Old structures will shake. The old ways of doing things will disappear. But you've got to continue on in the face of adversity, in the face of resistance, in the face of people rejecting you. You can actually flip the flow and actually realize that what they're saying is actually confirming God's hand upon your life. Can I get an amen? So rejection can be a sign that you are a threat to your foe, to the evil one, to Satan. It's encouragement. I was looking up the the idea. You can see diamonds here in the back. Yes, you can. Um, And some, some boys, some men, boys, two men. Sometimes that's the difference. Some men in here, maybe it's time for you to, to think about one of these things. <laughs> don't be sweating, don't be sweating. And so a diamond is obviously something a lot of people buy when they're about to get married. Thankfully, big mob. Um, eventually, went there. I, I always wonder why when you're going to buy that a ring with that kind of expenditure, like what is the deal with a diamond? Like, I've seen some of those wee plastic ones, the fake ones, they look just the same. Why, why are we valuing, <laughs> what is the, why are we spending so much on this little diamond? I've seen one in Claire's accessories and it looked identical. It was actually bigger. <laughs> it was actually bigger. And so I went into this, like, let's, let's do some research because I don't want to be spending all this money on something if it's a gimmick and we've fallen for the culture. And I found out that diamonds actually come from about 150 kilometers beneath the earth where all the lava is, where all that seriously hot 
you know, the hot, hot substances in the mantle of the earth reside. And so they put this big pipe down and they pull this material up. And that's the start of the process to creating one of these. And it's not, it's not the end, though. They have to then go through another process of great pressure, great heat. And it takes time and it takes separation from where it, it resided in the core of the earth to then pull it back up and then go through another process of adhesion, of bringing all these little particles into one place. And it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of resource. And hence, that's why we obviously spend a lot of money on these things we call diamonds. And so, I guess it's the same with the idea of, of suffering. When you go, go into, I was actually speaking to a young man before the service there, and he got saved and it was in a time of suffering where, where someone um, in his life was going through hardship. And that brought him to a place where he could see things differently. Because that is often what suffering does. You see, change happens under pressure. If you're not being challenged in life, I would put my house on it that you're not growing at all. Because change comes under pressure. And even though you may not like the season you find yourself in or you may find yourself in, change happens in pressure. Now, the problem is with change is you can be changing for the worse or changing for the better. But in change, what happens is often a separation and then an adhesion. The same the way we design or we create diamonds, we have to separate them from where they're located, bring them up, and then there's an adhesion process where they're bonded together. And a lot of people believe it's for the better because of what the product is. And we pay good money and, and value those things. In the same way, there's things that are more valuable that God wants to change in your life, but there's a separation and there's an adhesion. And it all happens under heat and under pressure. And so... I guess this series is trying to help us to, to take those times and those seasons of pressure, those seasons of hardship, and to not waste them. And, and not just not waste them, but not allow them to change us for the worse. Because in reality, it's very easy to get bitter. It's very easy to allow those hardships to change our beliefs for the worse. But, but we see clearly within the Scriptures that we should consider those hard times joy. The Bible says consider joy when you go through all kinds of trials and tribulations because out of that, it produces character. It causes us to become better only if we allow it, if we choose joy. And so we've got to ask yourself, what are we going to do when we hit the crossroads in these situations? Because that's what dictates the, the direction in which we go. There was a situation recently where I was challenged on, on maybe something I was doing. And my first reaction, <laughs> so natural, was I wanted to find an exit, an exit plan, an exit door to get out of the feelings of, of failure. I didn't want to even admit to myself or to that person that I might have failed. Or I didn't even want to go there and get emotional. It, it just felt awkward. 
And so my, my first reaction, if I'm honest, was, leave me alone. <laughs> Go away. I'm where to play FIFA. I, you know, I'm where to gym. I'm, where, I'm just away somewhere where we don't have to talk about this kind of stuff. Because I'm at a crossroads. What am I going to do? And, and this person w- was bringing something really in, in the grand scheme of things good, pure to the table. But it was going to cause me to change. It was going to cause some temples that I had built to fall. Just like the Pharisees. I was at a crossroads. And so, to be quite honest, I went away. I had a meeting with myself and decided I'm, I'm going away. I'm leaving this situation. I'm not ready. I'm going to try and shut this thing down. Same way the Pharisees wanted to shut Jesus down. We're going to shut this man down. He's causing us to get uncomfortable, vulnerable. And so I, I said, right, I'm going to go away. I'm going to pray. Because at least in God's presence, there's n- I don't feel the threat. I feel God's grace. I feel his acceptance. But I also know that I have to look to the truth of the Bible. I'm going to try and get direction here because I'm uncomfortable. And I prayed. And, and just for a split second, this is what I want to encourage you about prayer, is the beauty about God's grace and his truth is that God is fully accepting. So in the same way the woman caught in adultery we see in the Bible, the Pharisees, the same people were trying to condemn her and they brought her before Jesus in the hope, or to try and catch Jesus out essentially, but knowing that he should be, in their eyes, condemning her and casting her aside. But Jesus said, you who have not sinned, cast the first stone. And they all, it's funny, it says in the Bible that the oldest left first. (laughs) Why do you think that was? Because they'd sinned the most. They'd been through enough of life and understood how much of a sinner that they were because they had more time to sin. I believe the reason they left first was because they they knew better. They realized, whoa, if that's what you're, if that's the standard, if that's the new crossroads, then I'm out. I know for sure. (laughs) And so the question I had to ask myself is, I love God's presence because just like the woman caught in adultery, I feel accepted. But then Jesus says, go and sin no more. So he challenged the sin too, as well as accepting her fully. And as I went into God's presence, I felt the acceptance, but then I looked at the scriptures and I realized in this this crossroads that I was facing that, that it was wrong. And honestly, it was a pattern that I had been accepting for years. Over and over, never been challenged. Never thought about it twice, really. Just went with the flow. Didn't challenge myself, but this is the beauty about being around people. This is the beauty about the Bible saying about iron sharpens iron. Because when we're around people, we, we help the purification process come into play because we're mirror images And when we have communication with each other with grace and truth, we can actually grow and get better. We can actually become more Christ-like and bring more glory to God. We can actually see breakthrough in walls that are actually holding us captive in slavery for decades shift. But I honestly believe without the power of prayer, and the understanding of God's truth, it can't happen. 
and each other. And so I went away and prayed and came back and I realized that what I love about God's presence is he's not winding you up like some people do. You know, you, the flesh doesn't kick up with God because you feel his grace and his acceptance. And so you're willing to submit to his will, maybe more so than someone else's. Can I get an amen? And so as he, as he is the cornerstone and, and the bedrock for, for my life, then I can come back into that situation, to that crossroads and say, okay, God has showed me some things and I surrender. And I'm sorry and I repent and I turn from the, those old ways and God has actually given me the conviction through the power of the Holy Spirit to allow those walls, those temples that I have built for my own glory, my own comfort. The slavery that I was under of sin is gone. I've changed my belief that that is now not okay. I've now exposed it. I can see it's brought into light. I can move forward in freedom. What if, what if in all of those situations we'd done the same? I'll tell you what would happen is that you would go, as the Bible says, from glory to glory. You would go from strength to strength. This is a fear of mine. I do not want to be the same version of myself 10 years from now. You know, what a tragedy if you've been going to church, being a part of God's design community, and 20 years down the line and you have not changed one ounce. What a tragedy. Because what's happened is it's a monument. You've become a statue. God's power is not in you or working through you. You know, surely as we grow, we, we grow in wisdom, experience. Hence why the first man left when, God, when Jesus said, hey, you who have not sinned, cast the first stone. We, we, we understand more and more how many flaws we have as we get older and we see reflections of ourselves, maybe in your children or, or other people around you or other family members. You start to, oh my word, I, I was worse than I thought. But the beauty about it is it gives us the opportunity and the pressure that is needed to change. If we get vulnerable, if we actually go to God with our problems and allow the Holy Spirit to have a voice and then just obey. Can I get an amen? See, if we're not being challenged, growth is not happening. And if we're not bringing those challenges before God, we're just ignoring God in the process. The purification process has been wasted. The power that is at hand through your suffering has been wasted. The opportunity is actually going to become an obstacle because we didn't take it. Our heart will start to get hard and we'll start to move backwards instead of forwards. See, sin can often look like running from relationship. Sin can often look like running from vulnerability. Sin can often look like running from progress. It can look like running from a conversation like I did. <laughs> I think it's okay that I get a time out just to go and process. But I think ultimately if we're running away, we're running from God's best. God wants to process our pain 
And he wants us to process our pain in his presence with his word as a guide. And he wants us just to, the grace allows us to have a change of heart. The grace, his grace allows us to see clearly. His grace allows us to have the empowerment that we need to make the right call. You know, I, I guess in this situation, you can nearly explain it. So, so what's going on is they've, er, they've erected a religious institution, the Pharisees. And this new cat has come in town. This new, I shouldn't call I'm using slang terms. I shouldn't call Jesus new cat. This, this new man has come in town to erect a new church, say, in our modern day terms. And so let's say the church in this era has grown so big, become so powerful at one point, maybe was so effective that, that, that it's now infiltrated into the government. There's schools attached to the government. There, there's, uh, it's political as well. It's, it's mixed in with politics and it's so intertwined with the community. We've seen this before in history. I say this is where the church is at right now. And, and so people have got jobs. You know, there's sports teams. There, there's all kinds of community um, expressions that are all connected to this form of religious institution or church. And the Pharisees and the, the high priests and the leaders, they're the ones who have the power. And so they're trying to maintain the institution. And all of a sudden, this new church comes into town, and Jesus is the leader. And he's not really trying to create anything structurally. He's just coming to bring freedom. And all he's doing is just healing people on the street, meeting people at a well, promising them eternal life. He's forgiving people. He's showing people uh, the way to a place of freedom. And people are literally experiencing freedom in their life. And it's manifesting in their families. And villages are being shaped and changed by his message of love, not of manipulation, not of power plays. And so, and so this big institution is starting to get worried. Like, who are these guys? Cult. <laughs> That's what happens, isn't it? Cult. That's a cult. Don't go near them. They're trying to badmouth. They're trying to suppressed. They're trying to put people off this person, Jesus. Because it's uncomfortable. It makes them vulnerable. It's exposing some things. It's showing them up to be a monument. It's showing them up to be a statue. And people are, are, are searching for true life. They're thirsty for something that is real, that touches their soul. They're thirsty for the answers of heaven on earth. And they see it, but it's uncomfortable. But what if, what if Jesus is saying the same thing to you in your life right now and you're uncomfortable? It's not the way you've done it before. And it's different. And it's shaking up the cobwebs and it's making you, it's making the, your connections and your, 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 your friendship circles and your social circles and, and your family even. It, it's, it's not the way you've always done it. It's not normal. But you know there's life in it. And you know there's power in it. But you're vulnerable. You might have to actually put your trust in Jesus. Maybe God's putting some thoughts in, in your mind of things he maybe wants you to do or places he wants you to go or things he wants you to lay down. But, but you want to stay stiff and you feel more comfortable running from those thoughts or those feelings or those convictions. 
I knew Nicola was doing her life story this Monday and she was running from it. She was running as fast as she could go and I knew it was in her. And I knew she, she had an amazing testimony and story. And eventually she said, you know what? I knew I would always do it, but I was just plucking up the courage and, and the strength to do it. And because Nicola has done that, many people are going to experience the same freedom that she has experienced in her life. But that's the process of purification as we begin to trust God more than we trust the opinion of others. Realizing that we're worshiping an audience of one. And that's how we defeat the evil one. We'll put our hands together for Nicola doing that life story. That's also to get you excited for when it comes out. And so it's so important that we start to realize that God is good. And it's His goodness that changes us. And when we, be, you see, you see, when we say trusting God, what we're really saying is allow Him to have the most vulnerable parts of you because He's good. You can actually trust Him with that. You can actually come into those places where you feel vulnerable and allow Him to speak. He's not trying to ultimately hurt you. He's trying to ultimately free you and secure you. It's the opposite of our fear. And this is what's going on here, is that God has sent Jesus to the earth, and He's just he's freeing people. He's helping people get away from addictive behavior, putting their identity in, in toxic relationships. He's helping people to, to become whole. He's reversing the curse of sin in people's lives, the slavery that they've been under for so long. He's breaking it. The walls are shaking. The temples are falling. Since we're on the story of life stories, just we were at our group and Killian was sharing his story with Anne. And I don't want to ruin the story, but it's a great story. And he was actually under the influence of drugs and his mom prayed. And the influence of the drug disappeared instantly. Am I right? From the power of prayer, from the power of God's goodness, chains shook and broke instantly with a prayer in the name of Jesus. You see where we're going with this? This is why if we can understand that the place of prayer is not a place that is just a religious, institutionalized routine. It's not just a statue-based kneel, do whatever you've seen other people do for the sake of doing it. It's a place of power. It's a place where temples of man fall and the temples of God are built. It's a, it's a place where, where the, the, the heart is healed and the mind is opened and eyes see that we're once blind. It's a, it's a place where the body can shake free the chains of sin. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about a place of prayer and a place of God's presence. It's our priority is His presence. You see, God's goodness creates a movement, not a monument. You see, the goodness of God creates adhesion. The same way that diamond is adhesed together to have that beautiful form, when we get into God's presence and we have His Word, which is the direction, His truth, what happens is an adhesion process. We start to 
There's adhesion to God's ways. There's adhesion to God's goodness. And when we have adhesion to God's goodness, the chains, the worries, the fears that the world has taught us, that sin has taught us, begin to shake, begin to move, begin to come off. God's, the Bible says this clearly in Romans 2 and 4. Do, do you take the kindness of God for granted? Do you see His patience and tolerance as signs that He is a pushover when it comes to sin? How could you not know His kindness is guiding our hearts to turn away from distractions and habitual sin to walk a new path, a different path? path where the crossroads and there's a new way the question is what in your life what in my life what areas that we maybe haven't seen we've not acknowledged we we didn't even realize aren't God's best it's hurting us and it's hurting others it's limiting our potential another way it it says that in in the NIV it says knowing that the goodness of God leads us to repent It's so important that we understand God's goodness. Without God, you do not have breath. Without God, you do not exist. Without God's mercy, the earth is over. Because sin does not go hand in hand like oil does not go hand in hand with water. Sin does not go hand in hand with God's holiness. Without God's goodness, we we don't have family. We don't have anyone. We don't have anything. Because the earth is impure now. It's far from perfect. But God is still holy. And that's why Jesus came. To allow us to continue to exist despite our impurity. And so what we're saying is if we keep moving in God's presence, if we keep moving with God in relationship with us, with His grace and His truth, then what happens is we move forward. We get better. We become purified. This is why I, it really, I struggle when I look at, at maybe some leaders and churches and whatever, and I struggle even with myself. If I'm not getting better, if I'm not moving forward, becoming more pure, trying to grow in purity, then I've got a problem. And the problem I would say I have most is that I, I haven't learned and got better at being in God's presence and understanding His ways. And I believe that's what has happened sometimes when we focus too much on the outward of church, the outward of just performance. Oh, there's a lot of people there. Well, that's outward. What's God doing in your heart? There's a lot of people there today. I'm so excited. Well, that's great. Did it change you? No. Oh, the worship sounded good. Well, that's great. But did God speak to you? Oh, I love the pizza on Sunday night. That's great. But how did that change your heart? Did it purify you? Because if it's not purifying you, what use is it really? It's maybe distracting you. And this is why the times of suffering in our life are the biggest opportunity that we have to grow, for God to speak, for us to see. Do not waste the opportunities of God's presence coming in a different form. I think it was C.S. Lewis said, it's in the hard time, in the good times, God, God whispers in the hard times, God shouts. And it's not really because God changes. It's because we're listening. Something has to break in God's presence. 
Uh, funny, the Alpha, the guy that ran, we're finishing up soon here. Um, Dylan. Good man. Um, the guy that runs Alpha, Nicky Gumbo. Um, funny, he was completely against Christianity. And at the start of the video in the Alpha course, he kind of said that he found out some of his friends had got caught by the Christians. And his whole motive was, oh my word, I've got to stop them. A bit like the Pharisees in some ways. I've got to stop them from getting caught by this sect, this cult, whatever. He was motivated to find the false. He was motivated to catch this Jesus figure out because he was a lawyer by trade and his whole family were lawyers and he went into the details of it all and done the research and he says in the end I found that the story of Christ and the history of Christ and everything that went along with it was so convincing I became a believer myself I, I, I became a believer because I seen his goodness I seen the transformation that came from his ministry and I, I the Holy Spirit began to convict me of God's goodness. It's funny, we had a few guys actually come um, to the Alpha and they came with the same hardened heart of just like, I'm just going for the wife to keep the peace. I'm just going to keep my friend happy, but my heart's hard. I'm actually going to try and argue. Within three weeks, the goodness of God softened their heart their eyes became opened. They faced the music. They, they entered the crossroad. And something shifted in their mind. Something shifted in their heart. That within three weeks, they made a decision to commit their life to Christ. What on earth? What happened? What happened was initially they wanted to resist Christ. But they met his goodness. And, and they returned to Christ. And they repented because of his goodness. Because his presence, they got themselves into an atmosphere of faith. An atmosphere of proclamation. And everything changed and the walls crumbled of the temple. And the institution that they had built in their mind and their heart, it failed. It didn't stand a chance. There was breakthrough. And so the same can happen for you whether it be here, whether it be in your bedroom, whether it be at home, whether it be going for a walk in a forest, but the, God, the presence of God and the goodness of God will break through in your life if you pursue God and come before Him. Something has to break. You see, sustainable change comes the more we live out our beliefs. How do I know that? Because the Pharisees knew if Jesus continues to present himself and do what he does and get opportunity in these villages and in these towns and cities, we're over. Our institution will come to an end. Our temples will fall. Everything will implode inward. You see, that's what happens when we give Jesus an opportunity to speak. That's what happens when we give Jesus an opportunity to have his presence in our life. That's what happens when we protect the place of worship. Hint, hint, keep coming on time to worship so you don't miss the first few songs. I'm serious. We have to protect the time of worship corporately, but worship privately. Prayer 
corporately and prayer privately. Why? Because in his presence, sin falls. The power of sin cannot stand. In his presence, eyes become open. Hearts become soft in his presence. In his presence, families reunite by his word. You see, Jesus came to the earth as the presence of God. The word became flesh. And the institutions of religion that were like statues and stiff became to, began to crumble. They said it themselves. They could see it happening before their very eyes. But how do you apply that to your life? When times get tough, you don't run. You don't harden your heart. You come with a hardened heart before God. You come with your hardship before God. You come with your suffering before God in prayer, even just into community, to church. When you feel most guilty, it's, the, it's probably the time you need Christian community the most. It's the time you need prayer the most. When you feel like running away, you're actually probably closest than you've ever been to breakthrough from a renewing of the mind, from a new season. You're as close as you'll ever get. Because just as Jesus was about to break through, that's when the religious side of us begins to kick up. That's when the pride kicks up. That's when the, the sin in us wants to hold tight. But if, you, if we can get vulnerable before God, before the throne of grace, if we can understand that he's good and, and he's not trying to force us, but his goodness changes us, then we'll freely come time and time and time and time again. Let's stand. God, we just pray that destructive habits in our life would shift right now. God, we just pray that destructive, destructive beliefs will move and change. God, we just pray for insecurities to break. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the cross that allows us to be in your presence in the first place. God, we remember Jesus and what he done on the cross, how he died and he rose again. God, I thank you that the power that conquered the grave lives in each and every one of us when we accept you. God, I thank you that your goodness removes the impurity of sin. God, I thank you that your goodness turns us back to you. God, I thank you that when we come with your grace, God, your truth sets us free. God, I pray for change to break in this room. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.